morning. How lovely to be with you all today and what an amazing time of worship and intercession we've just had so far, haven't we? It's just lovely um, that we can bring God everything, can't we? We can bring him all our problems, all our needs and he's our heavenly father and he cares about us and that's really awesome. So this morning we're carrying on in your series about the Holy Spirit and the Christian character. And um, we're just, I'm just really delighted to come and share about gentleness with you this morning. It's such an important part of, um, are you alright with that? <laughs> such an important part of the character of God in us. So let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have revealed yourself as a gentle father and the Holy Spirit is gentle, and Jesus is gentle. So this morning as we hear your word to us, I just pray you would just bring something fresh to us so that we can fully understand um, how we can move in gentleness in our lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. So, gentleness. Well, the Greek word for gentleness is prautes and it's sometimes translated as meekness and both meekness and gentleness are not really um, characteristics that we um, big up in our day do we in our leaders there's not many gentle or meek leaders um, but both of these concepts were very much part of who Jesus was and how he did his ministry So when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit, we're really talking about how we can be like God. How we can be like God. God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so when you read that list of characteristics in Galatians 5, 22 following, you're really hearing what God is really like. And God gave us his Holy Spirit so that we can be like him. In all of those characteristics, there's no way we could be like God without the Holy Spirit, is there? We're all too selfish, we're all too proud and arrogant and we we just couldn't be like God without Holy Spirit. So we call these the fruits of the Spirit because only Holy Spirit can produce these likenesses to God in us. I want to say, first of all, that gentleness is not weakness. Sometimes we can think that, can't we? And we think, oh, that's a gentle person, they must be weak. No. In God's, it, when we're talking about God, there's no way that he is weak. He, it's his choice to reveal him, his strength in a gentle way to us. And we can be like it. We can. Gentle means having or showing a mild, kind or tender temperament or character. And meek is about quiet, gentle and easily imposed on and submissive. So, when Jesus was baptised in the River Jordan at the beginning of his ministry, how does the Holy Spirit come on him? Not as an eagle, not as a vulture... Not as a crow, not as an owl, the Holy Spirit comes on him in bodily form as a dove. 
and doves are known for their gentleness, for their peace and for their purity. How amazing is that, that God would reveal himself in all these ways. Sometimes we can get the impression that in the Old Testament, God was a bit aloof, a bit harsh, a bit critical, a bit mean even. And that suddenly when Jesus came, he had this change of heart and became gentle and kind and loving. So the first bit I want to show you is what God is like in the Old Testament and where gentleness appears in the Old Testament. Actually, we often think of how harsh he was with the people of Israel But if we understood fully how they not only pushed the boundaries but they turned their back on God, I find it amazing that God was so patient and so gentle with them all the time if you really understood it. So I'm going to start by looking at a passage in Hosea chapter 11 and just a few verses from the beginning. And this is what God is saying through the prophet. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt I called my son. But the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. They sacrificed to the Baals and they burned incense to images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms but they did not realise it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke from their neck and bent down to feed them. I find that really moving, that in spite of all that the people of Israel did look wrong, God still had this heart to love them and to show them the gentle side of his nature. That verse, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. I lifted the yoke off their neck and bent down to feed them. It's like God is seeing them like little children. Little children who need the help and and need that tenderness and that compassion from God. And that bit where God is saying, but the more I called Israel, the further they went from me. You can hear in that God's grief that his children don't want him, that they've turned their back on him in spite of all that he's done for them, in spite of him him bringing them out of Egypt and, and taking them out from a place of slavery and giving them freedom, giving them their own land. They still turn their backs on God, but his heart was, oh my goodness, I've done all I can for them and they're still going away from me. It's not this harshness that we sometimes feel. And then in the Old Testament, we have very much a strong picture of God being a shepherd, don't we? And the picture, uh, you're all familiar, I mean, Psalm 23 is one that we've learnt from like when we're really little, haven't we? You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want because he's looking after me. And the picture of the shepherd comes up in Ezekiel 34 as well. And the tenderness 
of that shepherd, the gentleness of that shepherd. Isaiah 40, verse 11, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arm and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. What a beautiful picture of God the Father longing to have his children or his sheep in that sense close to him, protecting them, gently providing for them whatever they need. It's a beautiful picture. And then in Psalm 103 verses 8 to 14, God is shown so clearly here as being like a father. Even in the Old Testament, let's read those verses. Psalm 103, verse 8 onwards. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Verse 17. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him. How awesome that even in the Old Testament, God is pictured as a father, a really caring father, not one who's looking for faults in his children, He's looking for good things. He deals with the faults and pushes them away because his heart is full of compassion for his children. That's really amazing, isn't it? And then even before Jesus came to show us the full revelation of who God was like, we have all these prophecies that tell us how he was going to be when he came. Tell us wonderful things about how Jesus was going to be and what he was going to be like. When I grew up, I, had, I was um, taught from very little to say this prayer. I hadn't got a clue what it meant, by the way, but I had to say it every night. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon a little child. Pity my simplicity, suffer me to come to thee. Of course, I didn't understand it, but actually there's truth in that. He is a gentle God. He is a gentle Jesus. So in the Old Testament, this is one of the prophecies, and there's many, but this is one of the prophecies that um, talks about Jesus and what he would be like when he came, the servant of the Lord. Here is my servant whom I behold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I'll put my spirit on him and he'll bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. 
In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. In his law the islands will put their hope. So I just love this passage. I like that verse which says he will not shout or cry and a bruised reed he will not break. This is a picture of the gentleness of our God, isn't it? That he's not come to crush people or beat them into submission, but that he's come gently to show us what the Father is really like. In, um, in Matthew, he quotes this passage when talking about Jesus. And at the moment, I'm really enjoying the Passion Translation, which is a fairly new translation, but it hasn't been done for the whole Bible yet. But I'm hoping it will be. Um, but this is how um, Matthew quotes this chapter, these verses, in Matthew chapter 12. It says, Take a careful look at my servant, my chosen one. I love him dearly and find all my delight in him. I will breathe my spirit upon him and he will decree justice to the nations. I love this bit. He will not quarrel or be found yelling in public. He won't brush aside the bruised and broken. He will be gentle with the weak and feeble until his victory releases justice and the fame of his name will birth hope among the people. What a lovely description of Jesus. And that's actually how he was, wasn't he? He was gentle kind with people. And, and when he met people whose lives were a mess, he was able to see past their sin, past their failures, to that thing underneath, that place where their needs had not been or where they felt unloved or when they felt uh, that they were worthless. And he was able to see past all that. He saw to the pain behind the pe- their actions, the pain in their hearts. And so, with Zacchaeus, everyone else saw this money-grabbing, treacherous, selfish, cheating little man. But what did Jesus see in there? He saw someone who was lonely, who felt rejected and isolated. And what did he do about it? He didn't tell him off. Come on, Zacchaeus, stop cheating. Stop taking money for yourself. He said, Zacchaeus, I want to come to your house. And he went to his house and he just had supper with him. He just loved on him. There was not one word of telling off there. Do you notice that when you read that? He could have torn him off the strip about his life and all the mistakes and the sins and the selfishness, but he didn't. He just loved the little man. And that took him out. He went then, he said, okay, I better give back to people the things that I've stolen, only I'll do it right. I'll give them four times what I've stolen from them. God's love can do so much more than that word of accusation or condemnation. And the same with the woman at the well and the woman caught in adultery. He doesn't come up to them and just say, sort yourselves out, stop doing what you're doing. He has the conversation with them and he sees past their behaviour to that thing in each of them 
where they'd never been able to really find love and they were looking for love in all the wrong places. Jesus didn't come to crush people, to tell them off, to shout at people and tell them how cross God was with them. He came with gentleness. The only people that Jesus did ever tell off were the scribes and the Pharisees because they were meant to be showing people what God was like. And all they showed them was critical, being critical, judgmental, having a go at them, always seeing, always caring more about what people like them thought of them. What does God think of me? And I guess for me, I just feel like it's such a challenge Do I, does my life accurately represent Jesus? Do I show that kindness, that gentleness, that compassion that Jesus portrays? Or am I a bit critical? Am I just one who sees people's external behaviours and doesn't see that there's something behind that that God needs to touch? So I want to look at four places, uh, four situations in which we're called to demonstrate gentleness. They're very specific in the Bible. So first of all, we're called to demonstrate gentleness to when we're dealing with people who have sinned or made a mistake. Galatians 6, which follows on fairly quickly from the end of Galatians where we've got the verses about the fruits of the Spirit, straight away puts this into practice and shows us it's very practical. Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. God wants us all to be involved in bringing people freedom. He is not put off by their sin. He sent Jesus to die for it. But he wants us to do what he did. Just like those three examples I gave you with Zacchaeus and the women, the two women. He wants us to bring freedom. He wants us to bring hope and life. But he wants us to do it gently. It's the enemy that wants people to feel condemned and hopeless. Isn't it? So we should come in meekness and compassion and make people feel safe to share the things that they've messed up in, the things that they've made mistakes in. People should feel that they can come to us and say, you know, I've really mucked up in this area of my life. I want to share it with you. And as you hear their story, you don't start the finger wagging. You start the, let's look at this. Let's look at why you did what you did. Let's pray into that. The gently part is really, really important. I was um, in a a group of of three ladies that we were praying for another lady at the um, Arise conference that I help out with sometimes. And uh, the women who come come from the Central Asian countries and they've been badly treated a lot by men in particular, their husbands 
And this woman was sharing her story with me and the other two members of the team. And it was a horrendous story. And she got to the end of her story. And um, I was just taking a moment because I was heading the team up and just trying to hear what God might want to say to her. So I said to the other two members of the team, do you feel like God is saying anything that you want to share with this woman? And the translator said to me, in this kind of tone of voice, well, she needs to forgive her husband. So I turned to her and I said, I was really glad that the lady didn't understand the English she was speaking to me in. I said, yes, she does. We will get there. But let's just minister to her first some of the healing love of God. It's so important. You can't just jump in and just say to people, I know your story's horrendous. I know you've been horribly abused. Now just forgive your, forgive your abusers. They need some healing. They need some love. They need some gentleness. They need to know somebody actually cares about what they've gone through. And um, so I just think the gentleness is so important. Even if that woman who's sitting in front of us had murdered someone, we still need to have gentleness in our response to that. Being harsh will only just make them turn away from God all the more. Gentleness is so important. And so we need to demonstrate gentleness when dealing with those who try our patience. Ephesians 4 verse 2 in the Passion again, I I really like this phrase, with tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and generous love toward one another, especially to those who might try your patience. It goes against the grain, doesn't it? When we find someone that doesn't agree with us, um, we feel like we just want to walk away, don't we? We just can't be bothered. And yet, Jesus shows us something different. And, you know, he was always trying to tell his disciples that the kind of leadership he wanted them to have was servant leadership. Laying down your life for the people you're serving. And, you know, you see this so many times in all of the, all of the Gospels that they have these tussles with this idea that leadership means you'll be great. And they had these discussions, didn't they? Which of us will be the greatest? Which of us will sit at Jesus' right and his left when he comes in glory? They didn't get it and he must have told them in many different ways over and over how to be servant leaders and they just didn't get it. So you find even at the Last Supper Jesus has just shared the bread and the wine with them. He's just kind of trying to tell them that laying his life down is going to be literally laying his life down, being willing to go to the cross. And then they have this short little discussion afterwards. And then Luke 22, um, verse 24, and then it says, and also a discussion arose among them as to which of them should be the greatest. And you think, no, there's everything in me. I think, Jesus must have just thought, how many times must I tell you about this? And they weren't getting it. 
But did he rant at them? Did he say, look guys, I've told you enough times, servant leadership, servant leadership. No, what does he do? He does the unthinkable. He takes a bowl of water and he takes his outer clothes off and he ties a towel around him and he goes to each one, right in front of each one. Is their dirty feet. The job of the most menial slave, Jesus does. How it must have felt to them having Jesus, their leader, kneeling in front of them and washing their feet. Finally, what did it? Did it? Was it him shouting? Was it him saying, I just need to tell you one more time before I die, this is important. No, it was that whole gentle experience of having their feet washed by Jesus. And that's how really God wants us to be. When we come against people who try our patience, he says, come on, I can show you another way. I can show you a gentle way, a loving way to break through in their lives. Go in the opposite spirit. It was something our pastor taught us in our church. just always says, go in the opposite spirit. So if someone comes at you all angry and or winds you up, you go in the opposite spirit. And then we're also told to show gentleness when we're dealing with those who actually oppose us. Paul writes to two t- in 2 Timothy, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Jesus had a lot of discussions with the Pharisees, but he always kept his cool. He always managed to bring something that would make them think. I love the story in Luke 14. Jesus was at the house of a Pharisee and he knew they were all watching him. He knew they were all waiting for him to do something that he shouldn't do because it was a Sabbath. And they had that many rules about what you could and couldn't do on the Sabbath. And they would, he just knew that they were looking for an opportunity to have a go at him. There was a guy there who had swollen limbs. And Jesus said to them, is it lawful for us to heal on the Sabbath or not? Deathly silence. Nobody answered. So what did Jesus do? Did he give them a lecture about healing on the Sabbath? Did he wag his finger at them and saying you're all harsh and you're all critical and you don't understand the love of God? (coughs) No, he doesn't do that. Does he ask them more and more questions to try and get them to think or try and get them to respond? No, he doesn't do that either. He just heals the man who was sick. He heals the man with the swollen limbs and then they're all glaring at him because they think you shouldn't have done that. It's a Sabbath, it's a day of rest. 
So Jesus just asked them a little question. If your son or your ox falls into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you get it out? Point made. Nobody humiliated. Nobody put down. Just in gentleness, Jesus dealt with those who oppose him. And finally, Jesus wants us to show gentleness when we're talking to those who don't yet know him. (coughs) Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We'll meet many people who haven't found Jesus yet. Many people who haven't put their hope in him. And sometimes we feel like we're so sure that we've been blessed abundantly to find God that we can be a bit heavy-handed in how we speak to them as if to say, we've got all the answers, you don't know yet and we can just keep talking and almost bash them over the head with what we believe. That's not how Jesus did it. Jesus, when he spoke to the woman at the well, he had a two-way conversation He asked her things. He listened to what she said. He didn't say, I'm the Messiah, look, you need to believe in me. He could have, but he didn't. He had that gentle conversation and I just feel that so many of us, we can be defensive, we can be a bit over the top the way that we tell people about Jesus. We need to present him as he really was. We need to do it gently and respectfully and listen to their points of view, even if they've come from a completely different religious background. Even if their views of God are completely different, have the conversation, the conversation. It's really, really important. So, this morning we have seen how gentleness is part of the nature of the Father, the Son and the Spirit and how that now we've got Holy Spirit living in us. He is committed. He is committed to bringing about those fruits in us, including the fruit of gentleness. So, are we ready to pray that? Are we ready to ask God to just do his work in us and make us gentle where sometimes we might not be. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you that you are such a gentle God, that you have been gentle with us. And Lord, we want to be like Jesus. We want to have that gentleness in our dealing with other people. So, Lord, would you just come and fill us a fresh Holy Spirit and stir us up in that area. And as I've been speaking, you may have just been kind of thinking, you know, I've been a bit harsh with a few people. Something's triggered a thought in you where you just feel like, I, I got it wrong. I I was too harsh. I was not gentle. Just bring that to Jesus right now.
and just ask him to take that out of you. And if there's anything in you that is is just a bit on the critical side like the Pharisees, just say, God, I want to be cleansed of that. I don't want to be harsh. I want to show your gentleness to everyone I meet. And there may be some of you kind of sitting there and, and you think, do you know what, I have been treated really quite harshly by some people and I've still got pain over that. Sometimes people have just not understood me and have judged me and been harsh. Just let God come into those memories and just give you, your, give you peace over them. Release forgiveness if you need to. Do you know, there's been people who've left church because they've actually just felt that nobody understood them when they were going through a hard time or when something happened and they weren't treated like Jesus treated them. Lord, we just pray that you will heal all those places in our hearts that have made us harsh and you will bring us freedom. And may we know, Lord, that you are gentle, even though some of your people have not been gentle to us. Lord, we just thank you that it's all about us walking with you. It's all about us being in touch with you and knowing what you would do at each point in in our lives. Lord, just help us to walk close with you, Holy Spirit. Walk close with you so that we will know what you want us to say, how you want us to be, what you want us to do when we come into contact with other people. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for all, all your gentleness towards us. Thank you that you are not a harsh God. Thank you that you came to deal with all our issues and to set us free. So Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light Thank you Lord Thank you for your gentleness in our lives. Thank you for your love for us. Amen.